Hello there to all our listeners out there. You're here with the Jaybirds. I'm Jasmine. And Joe. And John. And today's show this week is called Fox News, Disinformation Discourse on Your Social Media. And uh, I just want to make it clear that that's Fox F-A-U-X and is in no way assimilated uh, with any major news network. Today we want to talk about the vast information that you encounter every day on your social media and the internet. The three sources that we're going to reference throughout, one is... A piece from Sam Spies, who is a program officer and social science researcher called Producers of Disinformation. The next is Monica Bolger and Patrick Davison's piece. They both have PhDs at the Data and Society Research Institute in New York City. Last is a TED Talk from Deb Lavoie, who is a former software engineer and digital marketer. So what I want to do is I want to start talking about Spires' article. Um, and why it's so important here. So what Spires does is he makes it a point to start talking about some of the behind the scenes of what is going on whenever you folks are going on Twitter, TikTok, Snapchat, Facebook, whatever social media platform you use, what's actually going on behind the scenes. So what what really is happening when you are using these platforms is that your likes and interests are being thrown around through algorithms. And these algorithms are designed to pair you up with content that you like. Obviously, as a social media platform, if you like watching cat videos, if you like watching you know, political videos, whatever it might be, those social media platforms are going to be trying to guide you towards more of that content. What we are actually beginning to see is that we're beginning to see these echo chambers forming that are causing divisions where facts and reality and the things that we see in the news cycle are almost we live in almost completely different realities and our echo chambers are reaffirming our own worldviews by sharing content that we already agree with, with people that we already agree with. And that is causing major issues in how we actually discuss topics. And it starts to breed room for disinformation about these topics into your social media, you know, you know, social circles. I think the biggest part about, you know, these echo chambers and these, these communities where you're only being exposed to your like things. If I'm a a casual media user and I want to find, you know, a piece of a certain piece of news, or if I, you know, lean a little bit more to the right. I know what sources I can go to to find information that I'm going to want to hear. I'm not going to want to go and look at a more left-leaning news source. I'm going to want to go to a place where I know my opinions and I know my my sources of news are going to align with what I believe. And that's, I think, the danger of these echo chambers and these things is that it's so well-defined and it's so clear-cut where I can go to get the information that I want. And I would uh, and I would agree with you on the opposite side of the spectrum as somebody who is left leaning, I am going to go and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to follow left 
political um leftist political figures or leftist political ideas yeah and the dangerous part about being in these subgroups is that we're essentially not criticizing one another because we're only seeing beliefs that align with our ideologies. Uh, I myself also lean left. And as we're talking about this, I'm thinking about my newsfeed. And, you know, I'm not going to lie, my newsfeed is pretty much all left. So I am guilty of uh, falling into those subgroups or kind of dividing myself into them. And I think that because, you know, I, I think I could say it safely to say for the three of us, you know, you know, there's there's awareness of a problem where this that this is where disinformation starts to breed. So even if we are victims of falling into these subgroups, we know we've at very least know to be careful, but there are a lot of people out there who don't know like just how deep you're getting thrown into these algorithms and just how much of these fringe groups are being almost advertised to you. And that really does spread disinformation and because you have been filtered into these groups, this misinformation may, even if it's false, it might conform to your worldview and make you a victim of falling for disinformation that others are spreading. So the first natural thing I think to talk about is who produces this 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 information? Who is putting out this this false or this misleading info? deliberately and it might seem like something that's new because with the internet and and social media growing and growing we're being exposed to it a lot more but in reality it's been going on for a really really long time and some of the the bigger players in the disinformation world well first is government and politics like we started to mention a little bit between politicians political parties putting information out there with a purpose, with a purpose of gaining supporters and telling people who to vote for. And the the most obvious players in our society are politicians and political groups. And they have something to sell you. They have they are trying to sell you a political ideology. And one of the best ways that they can do that is by spreading misinformation. What better way than to beat your opponents than by spreading misinformation about their platforms, their political views? One thing, you know, the one thing you have to remember is that when someone is trying to tell you something, they're, they're you know, they're be very careful about who you're listening to because they're trying to sell you something. So another- the most important thing before we move on, sorry, Jasmine, is the motivation, right? The reason this is disinformation is because of this motivation, this motivation to sell you on an ideology, the motivation to to gain supporters and to gain votes. I think that's one of the biggest things to distinguish when we talk about disinformation, especially with some of these big players that are spreading this disinformation, is the motive and the reason why they are doing that. Well, speaking of selling you something, another big player and maybe one of the more obvious big players in spreading disinformation is commercial sponsors. These are corporations or companies that are solely just out to make money, uh, as we all know. And one way they may be doing this is having actors spread disinformation about products on the web. And this can include a fake product review um, or even enticing some people to leave five-star reviews uh, on 
say an Amazon product, for example, just to get more people to buy it to make more sales? One thing I've personally seen, especially with, with the Amazon reviews, is I used to work at a print shop and there was this person, this customer, who would always come in and print about 5,000 business cards every two weeks. And they were for products that he was selling on Amazon. And all the card would say is, leave us a five-star review, send proof to this email address, and we'll send you free product. So what he was doing was he was making his product look better and better for monetary gain. He was, you know, gaining, you know, better reviews on Amazon, which made him more money. And these five-star reviews probably were fake. People are going to leave a five-star review if they get something free out of it because what do they care if they leave a one-star review or a five-star review? I know. I've bought five-star review products that were definitely not worthy of their five stars in my past. (laughs) Amen amen to that. Plenty of those are lurking in my closet. (laughs) (laughs) And similar to these, you know, these big commercial groups is also the the individual scammer or the the small group scam, which we see whether it's in a scam call or a scam email, they're deliberately claiming that your info is in danger. And they're doing that with the purpose of gaining money, whether it's a phone call about your, your extended car warranty, or, you know, an email that there was a an illegal login to your Amazon account. Meanwhile, you didn't log into your Amazon account and it's it's completely fake. These people are putting things out there to make money. And that's where where disinformation comes from. And speaking of individuals, I think the last big type of big player we should talk about are conspirators. Oh yeah. I think many, not just us, I think many of our audience right now has heard of the uh, recent Alex Jones uh, court decision. So for those of you who have not been following, uh, who don't really follow um, this man in particular, trust me, I do not blame you for not doing so. But (laughs) so Alex Jones is the host of this online show called InfoWars. And this man used his platform online to the, the falsehoods that children that the children who were killed in these Sandy Hook shootings were not were not real, and on top of that, they were the the, the parents of these children who were were paid actors by the government in order to limit Second Amendment rights, and all of this was done through repeated lies over over his in- online podcast, and we have to ask ourselves why this is happening. And it's because of personal profit. Right where we started this case, now Alex Jones has just been, um, it's just been settled that he has to pay out over $965 million in damages to all of these families who have suffered at the hands of just misinformation and not just misinformation purposeful intentional disinformation that he has spread and it's not just one person in this case alex jones who's spreading this information it's the people consuming what he's putting out there right it's these these peoples who you know one way or another got sucked into his following whether it be on social media or or his show and they're not just passively consuming this information. They're listening to it. They're talking about it. They're spreading it. They're sharing it. And that's, it can even extend outside of the internet. 
not only is someone sharing it with their followers, they're sharing it with their friends, their family, their coworkers, and it just keeps spreading almost like, like a disease, like a virus. It keeps spreading. And that's why this is so powerful. That's, that's what happens. So we need to find ways to combat these things before it spreads to these cases like this. My say on it more is how can we prevent this uh, from happening and what can we do to stop this, you know, vicious cycle? Um, and I think one of the main things uh, that's happening right now, at least in education, that is being attempted to tackle this is teaching med- media literacy. Um, and that's one way we can create a more informed public uh, because media literacy is most commonly described as a skill set. Uh, that promotes critical engagement with messages produced by the media. So basically, simply put, media literacy is the act of inquiry and critical thinking about messages we receive and create. So we're teaching students to not just be consumers, but to actually be thinking and engaging in the messages that they receive uh, from the media. And media literacy has become a center of a gravity for countering fake news. Um, And that's because media literacy curriculum focuses on the interpretive responsibility of the individual. And this really empowers that individual to think critically. Uh, But unfortunately, media literacy is not flawless. Uh, Some research has shown that media literacy can actually teach a false sense of confidence. um, And there's few resources available to help parents support the development of their child's media literacy skills. Uh, Also, it's difficult to gather data, you know, with random randomized controlled trials for curricular testings. So it's something worth rethinking uh, in the age of all these platforms. All right. So taking all that together, guys, what's something that our listeners, what is something that we we think that our audience can take away from today based off of everything we've talked about? Yeah, unfortunately, media literacy might be not something uh, as accessible outside of education. But uh, Dev Lavore's TED Talk, um, titled How to Recognize Disinformation and How to Stop It, uh, gives us a couple things that we can do today to make sure we're not spreading disinformation. She actually cites uh, neurological research conducted by the psychologist and Nobel Prize winner Daniel Kahneman. He's known for specifying that the brain actually has two modes, which he called fast brain and slow brain. And slow brain is essentially uh, our reasoning and how we solve problems, uh, where fast brain is efficient at managing routine tasks and is what scans our feet, unfortunately. Uh, So luckily, we have a way that we can teach fast brain new things, um, but it does take a little effort. Uh, The key is to know the tricks that disinformation uses. Then the rest is really just building the habit. So the habit you want to establish is to look for the trick, pause, then take a second to check when coming across new information. So it sounds like we want to make sure that when we're looking at new information that we're not rushing to judgment. No, that's the most important part is you got to pause because you got to have time to think uh, because fast brain does not stop. It's kind of like autopilot. All right, John, what do you have to say about all this? <laughs> I think it's it's a really good point that, that uh, Deb brings up in her TED Talk is disinformation when that's when that spread it's spread with some sort of intent whether it's to amuse us to shock us harm us whatever it is and those emotions that that shocking emotion that that horrified emotion responds quicker than reason does 
And I think this is something that should be emphasized a little bit when we talk about media literacy is not so much understanding the nuances of of media and what makes it valid, what makes it reliable, but learning how to control those emotions. These emotions get more attention and more shares than the reasoning does. Oh my God, look at this reading. It, you know, it scared me so much or, oh my God, this made me laugh. Those are the things that we share. We don't share the things that take a little bit more time to read and think about. We need to train this fast brain response to notice these emotional signals and pause a little bit and question what we're reading. That's right. Getting getting a a nice little article title about Sleepy Joe Biden or or talking about the color of Trump's skin really does uh, send those... uh, Send the send the the dopamine out real quick. <laughs> yeah, you know that's actually one of disinformation's biggest tricks is you know to trigger those emotional responses. So if you're reading a title that amuses, shocks, or horrifies you, that is an emotional response. So when you get that signal, that's your sign to pause. Uh, disinformation sends these messages, and they actually intentionally feed off anxieties and doubts. And there's entire campaigns designed to target certain groups of people um, based on their fears or anxieties and doubts. So be on the lookout for you know the scary jargon trick. And these are scary words or big words, maybe like abortion or cancer or neurotoxin. And these words will, you know, induce stress, again, that emotional response. So the trick is to learn to pause on that doubt when you catch yourself doubting. um, So you can stop that doubt from taking root. And, you know, ultimately teach fast brain to pause on doubts. Well, well, at this point, I think we are, we've run out of time. For this week, I want to thank uh, John and uh, Jasmine as usual. You know, thank you Jay- guys. Always a pleasure. Thank you, folks. If you want to find out more, you can take a look at our sources. They'll be linked alongside the uh, podcast for this week. The Jaybirds signing out. See you next week. See you next week. See you next week. See you next week.